This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. I have a reputation for moving too quickly from one run to another. I admit, I don't like to stay in one place too long when I'm fly fishing, to the consternation of my podcast partner, Dave, who whines about me fishing all the good water before he gets there. Well, well come on, Dave. So I, I say all that to point out that I think it's rather amazing that we had a day, actually two days, where I stayed put in a single run on a little spring creek in the Minnesota Driftless. Dave, it was a fly fishing miracle. I think this miracle is as, I guess it ranks pretty much with every miracle that has ever been uh, trumpeted. Oh, man. Well, we're going to talk about that fine day and the lessons that we learned and uh, whatever in the world possessed me to stay in one place the whole time. So when you think about that day, Dave, uh, you know what's one of your first memories? One of the first memories is walking up to a fly shop in Preston and and we've been there many, many times, and or we've fished in that area many times, and it, it's tough to actually get there and actually be able to to get something from the fly shop because nine out of ten times it's always closed, right? Am I yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. For some reason, it's just not open. I don't know if the fly shop owner does this part-time or he's out guiding, but that morning when we walked up, we were just walking up when one of the guides was opening up the shop a few minutes before one of his group of people that he was gonna guide was supposed to attend. So he walked, when we walked up, he says, so you're gonna be fishing with us today? And we should have said, yes, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I did that with an Uber once. I was downtown at Second City in Chicago and one of our clients had a party at Second City and I called, uh, you know, I used my app to call an Uber, and this Uber uh, pulls up, big black Cadillac, you know, SUV. Wow. I draw, I just, I flag it. Yeah, that's mine. And I pop in. We get almost to where he was going to drop me off on the on the south side of the loop because I had my car in the south side of the loop. I didn't want to drive all the way to Second City. And we were almost there. He gets a call saying, where are you? It, I had jumped into somebody else's Uber and this guy was not happy with me. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure the people who uh, didn't have an yeah. Uber were not happy either. But yeah. uh, anyway, so that would have happened to us. You know, we go fishing and hey, the guys with the credit cards, our, our buddies are going to pay for this. They're back at the store. <laughs> So that was oh, great. Man. We love that little fly shop, I by know. the way. Well, and he actually gave us some good intel, didn't he? Oh, he did. He really yeah. did. He was talking about what patterns to, what he uses for his yeah. different patterns and yep. where to fish. Yep. But it is just like your miracle of uh, staying in one run for very long. It was a miracle. The fly shop was open. Yeah, But I, uh, I really love, uh, of all the fly shops, I think I love that one the most. Well, I know. It's, it's quaint. You're yeah, the one who is. talks yeah. about this. But mm-hmm. it's quaint. It's not like you're packaged uh, Orvis shop. Now I love Orvis. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but a lot of the fly shops are just so organized, and it's all about merchandising. But this one, it, it's not really a hole in the wall, but it's it's for real fly yeah. fishers. Yeah, That's what I really love is. about the fly shop. It really is. Anyway, feels a little bit like fins and feathers and bows. Oh, it does it? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's the great thing about it. Well, maybe one of the next things I remember is uh, well, and and 
actually the first thing I remember was the morning in the hotel coming out and uh, there you are behind the desk. Like, what in the world? <laughs> and uh, we, we actually told that story in a previous podcast, crazy things that uh, we saw on a recent fly fishing trip. So you'll have to go and, and, and listen to that. It was really what happened next right after that 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 just cracked me up. But anyway, I also remember after the fly shop, we stopped at the Sweet Stop and Sandwich Shop in Preston. And the reason I mention that, we always want to give a shout out to that terrific little business. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those local businesses where they're actually doing really exceptional work. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the place, the food, they bake all their bread. And it just tastes different. I know. And it's different from your typical branded sandwich shop, right? Yep. It just, it's so we like to go there both for breakfast and then we grab a sandwich yeah. to, to add later in the day. Yeah. I think we just stayed. Maybe we should just go there just to eat. Man. Spend I, the weekend at was, the Sweet Stop and Sandwich yeah, Shop. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> well, and it, it was a gorgeous spring day, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, just. the trees were in bud. They weren't leafed out. It was late spring. We always like to do a trip. Uh, sometime in April or early May. We've done it even mid-May there yeah. before. Mm -hmm. um, and we started out, again, this year it was a late spring, and so we started out on the on the south branch, the Root River, which, uh, as we had mentioned in this previous podcast, was an amazingly clear river that day. Uh, I said this, that it reminded me of some of the freestone rivers in the west. And, and we had Canfield Creek all to ourselves. Yeah. If you know anything about uh, the area, Canfield Creek... Uh, flows into the south branch of the Root River. There's also another creek in the area. I mean, it's just literally maybe 100 yards, a couple hundred yards away. It's Forestville Creek. Uh, we generally, you can fish both creeks. Both creeks are great. I mean, they're just two of hundreds of creeks in the Minnesota Driftless area, yeah. and uh, of which we've fished in the past. But th So this time we were fishing Canfield Creek. So Canfield Creek flows right into the south branch of the Root River. And to get to Canfield, you actually have to, well, I guess you could wade across, but it's a pretty deep yeah, run to get there where Canfield it flows is, in. Yeah. So you have to cross this bridge, uh, and then we walked up upstream. And we had Canfield Creek as normal, uh, as often as we fish it, we really almost always have Canfield Creek oh, to ourselves. It's crazy. It it's really is. It's a really is. good yeah. fishery. I guess it's because yeah. there's so many Spring Creek fisheries yep. in the area that, um, but we, uh, we caught a few fish as we worked ourselves, you know, up, up Canfield Creek. We like to fish the whole thing. What yep. is it? Almost I, two miles? Up? I think so. Yeah, I think it is. And you actually caught, you were, you were catching more than I was. And I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have this, uh, amazed sound in my voice wow how did that happen Dave? yeah but no i i know i was uh i had a dry fly on i thought well, i'm just gonna look for risers and i don't what were you using man you were you were out fishing me like crazy i'm trying to remember yeah, i never were, fished uh were you nymphing were you you're I nymphed nymphing for a while yeah. yeah and then i fished i i was fishing really all along you know you had a you i think you started out with a dry but had a dropper i on did, it, did i was you? fishing that, i was actually fishing a bluing olive emerger that one that yeah. made the difference in fact yeah. that probably factors into the story a little bit later so we we did that there's some beautiful holes but then we worked our way up to this run and i man i think we need a name for it all these runs where we do really well it's uh you know, jewel run in the in the, on the gardener. gardener after the guide that showed it to us, and and hopper run below tower and rainbow run. That's very creative in the in the Madison. On the Madison, and, yeah. so I I have 
a name for this oh, one. Oh, good, good. Yeah. good. I'm going to call this <laughs> Steve's Final Resting Place. What? It sounds like I died or something. You did die. You hit that run and you <laughs> that, never left it for two true. days. <laughs> I know. It's true. And that's so weird. I just, I usually don't do that. But uh, I mean, the funny thing that I remember about that is it was, it was on again, off again, and it was all based on the sun. And man, when it clouded over the, the hatch, you know, the blueing olive hatch took off and and I think we each saw maybe one caddis crawling on our hand. But I didn't see a lot no, of caddis. No, there were not a lot of caddis, no. They were almost all blue-winged olives. And then it was pretty much on again, off again all afternoon. And, and I think for me, the, the frustration was there were moments where the fish are just going crazy. And I, and I could see these blue-winged olives on the surface. Like, okay, they're small. I get it. I had an 18 on, I had I put a size 20 on, and I caught a few, but I was frustrated until I realized there was a moment where uh, I, 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 it just the fish were going crazy, and I could see, I mean, at one time, I could see eight or 10 trout right in front of me that were below the surface, and it finally dawned on me, they are taking mergers. Yeah. You know, and some of them would break the plane of the surface with their back or even their head but I saw enough of them darting around I realized they're taking emergers before they ever get to the surface so I tied on uh, kind of the same thing you did I had well you used a blueing olive emerger I didn't do that I I just found a mine was sitting really in the film yeah. I don't think yours was in the no film. what I did is I got a little beadhead uh, nymph like a size 18 wasn't it, it a copper john or you something know, anything I had a copper john worked a, a hare's ear worked a pheasant tail worked but but anything with a little beadhead and I think it got it down far enough and I'll tell you what it just they, they started going crazy when they started feeding and when I had that emerger on or that that dropper, which was a little beadhead size 18 nymph, man, I just started nailing him one after another. It was amazing. Well, when you made that realization, I was already That's gone. That's right. You had just gone. And, and I, I just started work. This this creek is so beautiful, and oh, there's so many great runs. So I, I mean, it really, it makes you think of Montana and some of yeah, these, it does. Mm -hmm. The number of runs using a spring creek fishery, I found at times there's not as many good runs. But this is just to me. So I kept going, and I, I had caught some fish. So I caught some yeah. fish as I was going up. I just didn't have the day that you had. And um, I was working on my double haul in one of those creeks. I was yeah, like, you know, I, I could do this and practicing my double yeah. haul and doing different things. But I, I went all the way up to the cave, and then yeah. I came back, and you were still in the run. And you were just shocked. Yeah. I was like, totally what shocked. Are you, doing? you told me that you were catching all these fish, but then I watched you, and Right as I was watching you from the other side of the bank, you're just hauling them in. Well, and then you tied on, you did the same thing. You put the same kind of rig on, and you started catching them. And we had at least one double. Yeah, where we did. We, both we had a fish on at the same <laughs> moment in this in this small run. Yeah, really small run. That, that reminded me of Montana because the only times we've done that, we've done that on the Yellowstone below Tower Fall. But remember, we did that a couple times fishing the, the lower Madison. Oh, well, I fishing do. the Bear yeah. Trap yeah, Canyon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And in the spring, with those, those nymphs, rainbows. and we have both, yep. yeah, egg patterns yep. and nymphs. We both have big twenty-inch yep. rainbows on. Yep. Well, and then the the second day, man, it was slow for a long time. But finally, 
what, about 30 minutes before we decided we had to leave. Then, man, the, finally it's the, the bluing olives started coming off the water. And it was weird because that was a, well, it started out sunny, but it clouded over. But even when it clouded over, it took a couple hours, didn't it? I thought the second day should have been a better day for fishing. Really, it was the first day was the best. Yeah. Now, we had a lot of good fishing that second day as well, but not until right before we left. Oh, and the I know. day was in the sky was clouded over, just yeah. perfect for blue winged olives. Yeah. And, and they were rising kind of uh, sporadically. But right before we left, you started to catch them again. I, I, I put on the exact same thing you did, and I did not have the same success. I also tried Euro nipping. I think I caught yeah. two on a yeah, Euro nip, nipping rig, but Crazy. it was really an amazing. It was the best day we have ever had in the driftless yeah, ever. It really right? was, and that, like I said, I think I caught seventy-five percent on that little copper john or pheasant tail dropper. Probably twenty-five percent on either a, a you know parachute Adams or a few times it was a purple haze. Didn't seem to matter which. Well, yeah, it did seem to matter. I didn't think they hit the purple haze as well as is just a parachute Adams. And I think that the color, which of course the way trout see color, it it's sometimes a little bit more of a of a shade. But it seems like the yeah the parachute Adams was worked better. But that was a that when was when you were catching. And I was sitting on the bank as well. And then you'd say, hey, Dave, take a shot. I couldn't catch them. And I tried everything from, I put actual blue winged olive patterns on. I do a 20, I do an 18, and then I drop, you know, I drop the copper john just like you. I just wasn't catching them with as much frequency as you were. You just had yeah. the golden touch that afternoon. And it's crazy. We, we joke about who's the better fly fisher. But honestly, we do the same thing, and that happens. Sometimes you'll catch all the fish. Sometimes it seems like I catch all the fish. I, I don't know what the... I have no it, idea. It's strange. I guess that's one of the... Mis, that's the mystique of fly fishing. It's it's so unpredictable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so, so unpredictable. unpredictable. Yeah. Oh. You know, there was one other moment that stands out at the end of the first day. We actually went back after we, we ate an early dinner and then went back and thought, we, well, maybe we'll have a, a good evening out here and we really I didn't catch anything I don't know if you I don't did think I did not. either but right towards the end we were uh, we were kind of at the upper end of the creek and there was a there was a kind of a bank well there's a bend there was an elbow in the creek and and it's pretty obvious that uh, uh, you know conservationists had done some work and, and put some riprap in there and there was this nice undercut bank and I remember, I remember saying, hey, I, I just want to drag a, uh, a woolly bugger, strip a woolly bugger along that thing. So first cast, I did that. Man, I, I felt a hit. And I, that thing was huge. It was a big I fish. I was watching from the other side of the bank. It was a big fish on the end of it, and I, I got it close to me, and it, it, I was trying to keep it from running under that bank, and it did, and it, it got caught on something, and then... That was it. So. What was really tough was the angle. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It one was. when you have a fish that big, you're fighting it up the current, and then you had that deep of a undercut right yeah. there. It just mm -hmm. it dove underneath the undercut yep. and it was gone. That yep. thing, I would say, and you know, this is a fish story, right? It probably would have been the biggest fish you ever caught in the driftless. Well, I bet it would have. Yeah, probably yeah. was. It bent that rod. Yeah. I mean, that rod was really bent. Yeah. You know, one of the takeaways for me on this day, on the one fine day, on this fine run, is when you see fish that are on the surface, you immediately think dry flies, right? You immediately think dry flies. And you, 
you had written that piece, I think it's on our website, about the four feeding behaviors of trout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is that if, if you're just seeing fins, it, they're often feeding on emergers. They're yes. not feeding yep. on the mm-hmm. surface. And so if you're frustrated, you do need to add a dropper, oh, maybe yeah. 8 to 12 inches. Yep. And, and try different types of droppers. And you're good at that. And that's why you, you outfish me the first part of the, the day. And I sometimes I get this thing in my head, yeah, but I've got this size 18 or 20 on. And, you know, the, the tippet that I tie to the bend of the hook is going to look like a, you know, a, a rope. And, and then, then you think, like a friend of ours said, well, if you think that looks unnatural, how about a hook coming out of the trout's rear end? <laughs> of course, he didn't say rear end. Yeah, he but, didn't. Uh, yeah, so... You know, I, and I think, well, I'm going to get it all tangled up, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I still caught trout on the, you know, on the, the size 20. Uh, so it, it didn't affect that. But, man, a lot of times they were nailing that dropper and not, they were not nailing the surface the dropper. fly. Oh, um, one other memory from that yeah. day. One of the things the guide said, we started out this episode about my memory of walking up to the fly shop and running into the guide who thought we were his clients for the day. Remember, he was giving us some advice, and it was talking about these blue-winged olives. He talked yeah. about, quote, ginking the bleep out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that, unquote? Yeah. Yeah. Ginking the heck out of it. Only yes, it was, that's uh, right. It wasn't quite that, uh, oh, man. <laughs> wasn't quite that soft. Well, it must have had an impact on you because you bought some gink. <laughs> I did. Well, to be fair, though, you, you needed some I needed fly some gink, yeah. And yeah. I, I actually should have because I just about ran out. I was about ready to come and... <laughs> And get your gink to gink the whatever out of my fly because I was I was about out. So uh, oh, it was gosh. a great day. I would have enjoyed fishing with that guide. He just was a great yeah. guy. Just just a few moments we had with him. I know. He sounded like he'd be a yeah. fun guy to fish with. Absolutely. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. And here's a comment from Katie on our piece, Little Fly Fishing Hacks That Make a Big Difference. Uh, we discovered that Katie is the author of a fly fishing website. It's called Fish Untamed. So be sure to visit her website. It, uh, it, I got on. It's really interesting. Uh, www.fishuntamed.com. So Fish Untamed is all one uh, word, no spaces. And it's all about fly fishing in the backcountry. Look, it's, it's really fascinating. Anyway, this is what she wrote. Katie said... Hey guys, love your podcast. Wanted to chime in on the waxing of your ferals on, on your fly rod. If you're getting ready to fish and realize that your ferals might get stuck, that is you haven't waxed them, and we've talked about you know, using a, you know, like a candle or something to, to wax your, the, the ferals on your, your fly rod, she says there's a makeshift option in the field. It sounds a little gross, but you can use your finger to wipe some of the oil from the sides of your nose and or forehead and put it on the male end of the rod piece to give it a better chance of not sticking. It's not ideal, but it's better than a broken or stuck rod. Also, I wanted to let you know that I mentioned your podcast on a list of the best fly fishing podcasts on my website. Uh, thanks for the great content. And we'd say, uh, same to you, Katie. Thanks for the great content on your website. And for the, this is a great tip. Really yeah, is. great hack. I mean, this, is, yeah. this would definitely fall under the category of hack. Yep, yeah, for sure. Fly fishers have to improvise. Uh, maybe not quite as gross as the time when my uh, uh, my uncle Ivan uh, tied you know, a, a fly right on the right in the side of the the, the creek. I said, well, "What are you using?" And 
he, he says, well, you know, I, I didn't have, didn't have a, the right fly, so, but I had this hook, and I, I just clipped some chest hair off and <laughs> oh, tied a no! fly. Yeah, and, and they were brookies, you know, so very forgiving. But Chest uh, hair. Yes, can you believe it? I would be totally in the weeds if that happened. I have no chest hair. I've never had chest hair. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Sorry for that information, but... Uh, yeah, 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 TMI there. Well, moving right along. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, we are going to move along. Our final segment in today's podcast is Hook Set. Uh, this is where we set that proverbial hook and wrap up the podcast with a quote. And then we uh, reflect on it for a minute or two. Well, this is a quote I, I ran across from a guy named John Buchan. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, B-U-C-H-A-N. It's in a book written by a Jewish rabbi, an Episcopal priest, huh. titled Fly Fishing, the Sacred Art. And anyway, this is what John Buchan writes. They quote him. He says, the charm of fishing is that, that it is the pursuit of what is elusive but attainable, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. Let me read that again. The charm of fishing is that it is the pursuit of what is elusive but attainable, a perpetual series of occasions for hope. So when we go fly fishing... <laughs> That's great! Yeah, it's an occasion for hope. I, I suppose, too, the way I fly fish, it's also a perpetual series of occasions for frustration. <laughs> But it's true, isn't it? I mean, or superiority on my side. Yeah, that's that's true as well. That That's where I get the hope. Hey, today's going to be the day. Yeah. That is great. That's you know, a great way of is. saying it. And really, every time you go out, it, don't we think, man, maybe today, this might just be the best day ever. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and two, rarely two it per, is. Two percent of the yeah, time exactly. it is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that that hope, that's uh that's what that's fly great. fishing is. It is about the hope, a it perpetual really series of occasions yep. for hope. That's right. So get out there, the next time on the river might be your best. <laughs> all right, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of fly fishing.